Hello and welcome to the Insights Podcast series. I'm your host Anand Daniel. Today we bring to you a new episode in the Future of X mini series in which we discuss and try to decipher the advancements and innovations that are underway in categories and industries that are changing fast in these times. As the world changes because of the pandemic and its lingering after effects, the future is coming to us at speed and this series is an attempt to understand and make sense of everything that's rushing at us. Today's episode is a special one. It is hosted by my colleague Rachit Parekh and he has with him Nitin Gupta, the founder of Uni. Uni is one of the most talked about fintech startups in the Indian ecosystem and Nitin is a trailblazer in many respects. The fact that he is right in the middle of the fintech wave in the country makes him well suited to talk to us about the future of credit cards and how it will look like in India. We will be talking to Nitin not only about Uni's journey but also about the new models around fintech that are gaining traction. We also want to understand how fintech is fighting the traditional Indian mindset of banking and dealing with the old guard of Indian financial institutions. And with that, it's over to Rachit. So great to have you here Nitin. Uh how are you and hope things have been going okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. all good man, all good. Very excited to be here. Uh, awesome. Forward to this. Perfect. So maybe just for just you know we know you really well Nitin. Uh, obviously folks at Axel have known you for many years and now you're part of the Axel family. But for the sake of our listeners, it would be great to have a quick introduction to yourself, your career, uh you know, and when why did you start Uni and when did you start this? Cool. So I'll give you a a quick one on this. Uh, I'm well practiced at this since I do a lot of pitches. <laughs> uh, I started my career. I actually no. I I graduated from IIT Delhi, computer science engineering. Uh, then I went to Ahmedabad, and I fondly like to say I wasted two years there. Uh, never do an MBA right after uh, taking a academic degree. Uh, then I went and joined Lehman in London. Did uh, investment banking for a couple of years. Uh, and then came back to India and did my first startup called Coach Group way back in two thousand eight. And and why did you why did you come back to India then? At two thousand and eight, India was a very different place than what it is today, especially uh, internet India. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, at Lehman, I was one of the best paid analyst, uh, analyst, senior analyst associate in that class. And uh, my claim to fame is that I securitized a pool of free performing credit card loans in UK, pulled out a triple A tranche. and triple a tranche of from a pool of free performing credit card loans made that it was far higher rated by central yeah. movies than india debt right so it was practically a joke if you saw it from a distance uh, then uh, in, lehman actually sent me home as an expat i was earning in pounds and paying in you know living in inr <laughs> and then lehman went bankrupt all lehman india's assets were taken over by uh, namura uh, yeah. lehman europe and india's assets and namura made me an offer to but then i think i had become disillusioned with the investment banking industry i said you know what bahut ho gaya ab main apna kuch karunga so i was already in india as an expat i just moved back to delhi and started coach guru so that's what happened now entrepreneurship had been on my mind for a long time actually me going to i am ahmedabad from it delhi was because i wanted to go learn business so that i could start yeah. a company so i have been preparing to start a company since 2003 finally 2008 i started coach guru uh, bootstrapped couponing company very quickly became profitable since it was an, a massive advertising engine and we eventually sold that business my second company was payu india slightly more popular over a five year time frame it went on to become the second largest payment gateway after billdesk and uh, it took 6 billion dollars in 2016 i exited that company 
took a break for a year and started to think about what next yeah. at that point of time i realized that you know a true major of entrepreneurship is actually taking a company public because then you're not tested just for scale and profitability public markets also test you for sustainability uh, it's a true test and i decided you know whatever i do next i'll do ipo and i like financial services so that that marriage was actually quite easy because in financial services if you achieve scale doing an ipo is easy that's how i ended up at uh, ola financial services as the ceo because given ola's massive distribution it felt it will be quite easy to build a financial services business on the back of that so ola financial services was fun transformed that wallet company into a leading micro insurance player we were selling 20 million policies a month uh, we built india's largest pay later called ola money postpaid with 2 million monthly actives and and cn3 positive business and then pandemic happened that pandemic uh, forces everybody to take at least forced me to take a step back and think what next and that's when i realized that uh, the distribution power of any large b2c brand in india can only be leveraged for financial services if you are selling something contextually i sold ola money postpaid contextually i sold insurance contextually great great adoption yeah. but if you sell anything else on that base it's practically database marketing and therefore it seemed suddenly a very very uh, it seemed as as hard a task to build a large financial service company inside ola as outside ola and that you know what <laughs> if i'm taking a effort and <laughs> rather do it for myself but uh, you would have been able to go public uh, sooner go looking at what's happening where you well, i might surprise you <laughs> <laughs> that's great i might great uh, surprise you <laughs> and uh, good folks at uh, excel and lightspeed were very kind enough to back me and said you know nitin we like your face Uh, I know you just have a paper plan. It will back you and give you money, and that's how I ended up raising eighteen and a half million dollars seed round to build a credit card and pay later card company in India. So that's the quick and short of it. And and, and going by your experiences, you could have done multiple things in consumer finance, right? Like you've done credit at Ola as well as like other types of products at Ola Finance. You did at Pay, you did you did payments, and of course. you had your experience from coach guru also what drew you towards credit cards specifically uh, and uni so you won't believe this. this is actually my fourth attempt at building credit cards or pilater cards fourth so full circle after securitizing right. credit cards in lehman now you're finally launching your yeah. own credit card and hopefully the new avatar of lehman will securitize it soon <laughs> <laughs> let's see that uh, so in 2016 when i was in payo uh one of my co-founders lakshmikanth was he's a my co-founder in uni he and i had teamed up to build a credit card in india in partnership with a bank and at that point of time the way we were envisioning it is what apple card launched in 2018 right so we were planning that in 2016 a month before go live i leave pay you and a month after and then that project got scrapped and then lakshmi also left pay you and he joined bajaj finance so that was my first attempt Then at Ola Financial Services, I launched a co-brand credit card with SBI cards, a black card, vertical, beautiful. First time ever the Visa logo in its center, clean rewards. That was my second attempt, and that's when uh, Pratik, who is my second co-founder and chief of Top Asian Uni, he and I had teamed up in uh, Ola Financial Services to launch that product. My third okay. attempt was again at Ola Financial Services, where we had this Ola Money Postpaid and month, millions of customers every month. We lock. We combine that pay later line, that uh, Ola Money Postpaid line, with a zero balance Visa prepaid card. No, it was a Mastercard prepaid card, and this combination resulted in a product which, for a customer, felt like a credit-led payment product, free of cost, right? Like a credit card, and that was my third attempt. 
and after these three attempts <laughs> numerous failures numerous understandings uh, uni is my fourth attempt now why am i making that attempt see if you look at any any economy right uh, and payments in that economy 70 80% is actually dominated by credit uh, and this credit comes for free uh, in india also the share of credit led payments was close to 60% into 2015 but then uh, uh, in from 2015 to 2021 right the yeah. entire uh, electronic payment landscape digital payment landscape exploded thanks to upi number of people who are transacting digitally are way too many and credit has not been able to keep pace credit led payments their share has actually dropped from north of 60% to closer to 30% now and upi and other payment electronic payment means non dominant and if you go ask a user right will you pay from a bank account or will you use free payment credit line or free credit yeah. line free credit line will be the default answer for most yeah so there is this increasing gap to quantify this gap right uh, there are today 35 million indians who have a credit card but there are 150 million shoppers who transact digitally online there are 190 million indians who have a presence on bureau like civil right so the gap is way too much yeah. and over the next 5 years you expect that you know about 100 million indians will have a credit card or equivalent product so 35 million growing to 100 million and today these 35 million indians hold about 60 million cards and tomorrow these 100 million indians will hold about 200 million cards so that 60 million card will go to 20 million cards over the next 5 years right so the market opportunity is massive yeah very very massive now the beautiful thing about a credit card business is that the market value attributable to a million customers is almost a billion dollars Uh, look at SBI cards, twelve million customers, twelve billion in market cap. Look at HDFC Bank, twenty-five percent of the profits comes from their credit card business. It's a hundred ten billion dollar bank, so conservatively, at least twenty-five thirty billion dollar in market cap is coming from their credit card business, and they have about fourteen fifteen million credit cards, right? Yeah. So there are sixty million credit cards today in India. The market cap attributable to those sixty million cards is about sixty billion dollars. Mm. Now imagine this market tripling up over the next five years. That's and, what. And, and if i pause you there like you you just said something interesting which is that like these guys are already big uh, hdfc cards sbi cards every bank has their own credit card and credit card system what's preventing them from capturing the next 50 60 100 million users nobody or, is yeah i i think nobody is but i think there are two trends which are additionally visible right and yeah. i think all banks will need to step up to these trends the first trend which is visible across the world when you look right customers are saying i expect my financial services partner financial service whoever is giving me the financial product to be of the same quality as an amazon or yeah. a zomato or a big basket or a flipkart right the customer service the features the experience needs to be really really cutting edge but if you look at existing credit and payment products which the banks provide right they are more functional in nature you you manage your life around it around their constraints instead they being magical for you Yes. For example, uh, redeeming a reward point is still a pain, right? You jump through hoops to get to that end goal, or understanding your card statement or doing analysis on your transactions is is impossible today. Just just can't do it. Damn, simple things like tracking your refund is impossible in your in your card statement today. If by God's sake you got an add-on card for your family member, right? That family member will still get the OTP for that add-on card on the primary primary phone number. Right? Small small issues, but still. not solved for so the yeah. first big trend which has happened across the world is that the experiences of financial products have become magical for the consumer and the features have become way too many it has become very very intuitive to use and intuitive to to do things with it right 
for example why did upi happen why does my upi does not work on a credit card simple question yeah so that's a first opportunity and if you can do that really well uh, then you have a play in this 200 million card market uh, you also get a right to win because you are offering a superior product than what is being offered out there the second opportunity which i think is actually larger than this is that in any big growing market sub segments emerge right look at any market when it start look at look at the smartphone market 10 12 years ago there were literally three or four launches in a year today there are like 4000 launches in a year right somebody wants a bigger screen somebody wants a cheaper phone somebody wants a fingerprint somebody wants a iris scanner somebody wants a large battery people have different needs uh same for any segment you can think of from e-commerce to travel right different different segments have emerged but when you look at credit cards they are still the value proposition still to reward centric yeah i'll give you 30 day credit and in turn i'll give you rewards that reward may vary by quantum or by merchant type or by category type but you know they have to really solve for new specific use cases hey i travel for on a lot i don't want to pay 3.5% markup can you make it zero or i do a lot of upi transactions can my credit work on upi hey my family and my domestic help and my children need a add on card can you make a better suite of add on products hey uh, you know what i really care i revolve sometimes i really care about the interest rates can you reduce it but in different customer segment different needs yeah and that is a big opportunity itself right uh, you solve for different problem statements of people by doing different things so if i may continue right at uni the first product that we have launched it actually stems from a very interesting insight the insight is that most people where household income is less than equal to 30 lakhs right they go through a liquidity issue once or twice a year so there will be a 40 50000 rupee gap between their income and their expenses and the expenses may be high because of any reason they bought something for the home they took a holiday they paid school fees which goes quarterly they had a medical emergency they repainted the house or they were changing jobs and full and final did not come or the sales bonus did not come right and people don't want to take a loan for this for 40 50000 rupees it's a 3 4 month problem it will go away right i don't want a emi on it so how do they deal with it they they borrow from friends or family they break a fixed deposit or they revolve on the credit card yeah this simple insight led us to launch pay one third which is a visa card works everywhere visa works and it divides all the transactions into three parts paid over three months at zero additional cost and suddenly right you could do any transaction of 100 rupees or 300000 rupees and it's like one third one third one third and if you can pay back early at the end of first month like you pay your typical credit card bill you get 1% cash back or 1% rewards your choice so what you fundamentally offer the user is flexibility where they can trade off this 1% reward for paying over 3 months now think this is a segment of customers in the entire credit card and otherwise who wanted this flexibility for long they wanted longer credit periods yeah and now they're getting longer credit periods by just trading off the rewards right so a very important segment that will emerge who will take this product similarly many others exist yeah that's our thesis that's a second thesis so large market better product with magical experiences more features and sub segmentation in the market this is what led to the idea of uni fantastic that's super super interesting and maybe just to just to th- think out the broader context of the india market and comparing to other markets so what are some of, what's happening in some of the other countries in the world right like uh, us china southeast asia europe and what's unique about india versus those markets and and what are some of the interesting things that you think will happen in india on the personal credit and credit card space that makes it very very different and interesting yeah yeah great question 
So I will take instances across the world and across time as well. So if you look at India today, right? India, at least from a credit card market, uh, it's a very high ROI product for banks, ranges from five, five and a half percent for SBI cards to seven to eight percent for somebody like a HDFC bank. And it's a flat APR market. So if you revolve, you almost end up paying 40% across banks plus GST. If you compare the maturity of the Indian market in terms of product, it's very comparable to US of 1980s. In 1980s, every US bank had a ROI of 5-6%, had a flat APR, and a very flat value proposition of convenience and, and line and rewards. Right? But then Capital One happened in early 90s. And what Capital One did was it started segmenting the market by different risk and started offering different prices. It offered a 5% APR to a super prime. So yeah. the, in 80s, the entire US market was priced at 20% APR by the way. So they offered 5% APR to super prime. They offered 12% APR to prime. And they offered 40% APR to supply. Oh. And suddenly the best is customers moved away, right? Uh, and yeah. the market segmentation started to happen. The ROI of the industry came down by about 30, 40%, but the market matured. From mm -hmm. 1991 to 2000, right? The number of cards increased by 8x, whereas the number of amount of balances increased by 3x only. So basically, people got spoiled for choice. Better customers got better products. Yeah. <clears throat> and did it also happen that that a customer started buying multiple cards for different use cases? So I used one card for large ticket purchases, uh, one card for yes. points, things like that. Things happen, right? That's why the number of cards exploded by 8x, yeah. while the balances grew only by 3x. 3x but yeah. clearly. People who build better products for a specific customer segment one, right? Yeah. And that's why Capital One from being nobody became like the sixth largest issuer in the in US. Yeah. In India, also something similar is bound to happen. The subsegmentation I spoke of. Right? This yeah. subsegmentation has happened in a very big way in US in most developed markets, but did not has not happened in India. So that's first trend that I see. And carrying this trend, right? If you look at companies like uh, Tinkoff in China, also Tinkoff in Russia, or uh, your new bank in Brazil, right? They also yeah. offered better risk products or cheaper cost products to better risk customers. And they took away meaningful customer segments from, uh, from the existing financial services. That's one thing. The second trend that I see across the world is that if you go talk to a JP Morgan or a Chase, talk to it and I'm talking about a large bank in US if you talk to a new bank in Brazil or a Tinkoff in Russia right they meaningfully upped the game in terms of customer experience they said you know what the customer deserves far more far better and therefore the experiences they created for the customer started bordering on that word called magical yeah. both these trends will happen in India as well right? the experiences of financial products will become magical and different risk segments will get access to different risk pricing. Can, can you give an example for our for our listeners in terms of what were some of the things they did that made it magical? Think of or JP Morgan or New Bank. So think of it from a perspective of the app, right? Today, yeah. most banks have a great app. They functionally work great. You log in, you can see your statement. You can go in, you can book an FD, you can do all of those things, right? But it's still functional in nature. Yes. Now imagine this, right? If you think how a today a banking, net banking page looks like, it almost yeah. looks like a Yahoo screen of 2000. <laughs> Too many links, and it's yes. your job to figure out what links 
does what, how to do what you want. An intuitive search box would just make this experience magical, right? I go in, in that search box, I type in what I want, and it happens for me, right? Today, that technology exists. Doing something like that will be a magical experience. It just misses. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Imagine something like this now. I do transactions. Think I'm a credit card holder. I do transactions. Just getting to know how much I spend at Zomato or Swiggy every month. How is yeah. the trend for the last six months? How is my spending on food and beverages overall? And me being able to set a rule that don't let me spend more than 5,000 rupees or 10,000 rupees in a month on food and beverages is good for budgeting. Right? And none of this exists. All yeah. these are magical experiences uh, which have not been built. Got what Ubank built or Tinkoff built or banks built, right, were more specific to the customer segments and the problems there. there. Yeah. So, for example, if you look at some of the European new banks, right, they just solve the payment problem because yeah. there are so many countries, you know, I have to exchange yeah. my currencies, there is this, there is that, just solving for payments and making payments seamless and zero cost seamless. was big. In India, yeah. payments are not an opportunity from bank account because UPI has solved it. So every country has their own set of problems, but there's an opportunity to take some of those problems and create magical experiences around it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what would this look like in the context of uni or India? Like, obviously, the good part about India is we built all this public infrastructure, right? UPI, Aadhaar, and a bunch of other things are coming up also in the near future. Yeah. What do you think fintechs like you on the credit side or others would do to take advantage of some of this public infrastructure and build these magical experiences? Like, what would that look like? So... So imagine this, right? Let me talk about a little bit of our roadmap for the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today, if you look at any credit-led payment product, right, it solves some use cases really well. It would solve for me making a payment over a visa really, really well. I can get access to 0% EMIs across stores quite easily. Yeah. Right? Uh, BNPL networks are available for rent in India. Very unique thing about India, by the way. The thing about uh, Pine Labs and PayUs yeah. and builders have done. The, however, there are certain problems which have not been solved well. Right? Me paying uh, for international transactions without surcharges or a great set of add-on cards for my family members. Right? Those are problems that are uh, credit cards have made an attempt but not beautifully solved for. There's no magical experiences around. Yeah, And then there are things that credit cards or credit like payment product don't even attempt. For example, UPI is so beautiful. Uh, it works seamlessly. The best customer experience, the QR code has made payment to any anybody like really, really easy. But why does it not work on credit? Why, why does, why do I, have, you know, why does my bank account get littered with that 50 rupee transaction and the 300 rupee transaction and, you know, 20 such transactions, which are not yeah. free for another month, right? Why can't uh, my credit, why can't my UPI work on top of a credit card? Yeah. But you can, right? Today, UPI is allowed to work on top of a bank account and a PPI. Yeah. Bank has both. Bank can easily issue you a virtual account or a PPI account and make it work, but they haven't. Right? So that would be one example of taking the public infrastructure of UPI, mixing it to the credit and making it happen. We plan to make this happen. The second thing that I'm very excited about is that what Uni is trying to do is say, 
Sorry, Nitin, maybe you should just pause. Uh, not everyone knows what PPI is. So if you can just elaborate yeah, a little sorry. bit on that. Yeah. So yeah. PPI is prepaid card. Uh, yeah. So okay. according to NPCI, you can make a UPI work either on top of a bank account or a prepaid account. Got it. And for prepaid account, you can get a PPI license separately from RBI. Or if you're a bank, you by default have it. And since bank has already issued a credit card, for them to give you a virtual bank account or a virtual prepaid account is straightforward. And then working, making UPI work on top of it is fairly straightforward. That's what I mean. But isn't there any isn't there any issue around MDRs and stuff? Because credit cards are typically funded by higher uh, fees that the merchant pays. UPI, how much will a user pay on UPI? Right, ten thousand bucks today. Credit cards anyway support utility payments, insurance payments on on credit cards. What do you think is the MDR for utility payments and insurance payments? Uh, almost zero. Yeah, doesn't matter, right? The reason banks enable this is because they want to capture more payment use cases and uh, get more balances. UPI is another such problem. All banks have to do is take the initiative and make it happen. Uh, yeah. Similarly, if you think about it, right? Today, rents is exploding as a use case across the industry, but a user is forced to pay a one percent surcharge. Why? Because when you go and pay on Cred or No Broker or Paytm. They all charge one percent markup, and this one percent markup flows a part of it flows back to the issuer, and the issuer anyway gives rewards on top of it. Why not, as an issuer, make it free for the customer to pay rent, pay school fees, do solve for such use cases? Right? It's very straightforward. The underlying IMPS infrastructure or payout infrastructure to pay to any bank account has been built by the you know by NPCI and by the banks and by RBI. You can just leverage them to do more. Right? You need intents to do that. That's still uh, missing otherwise. So these are some examples of how you leverage existing infra to create something even better for the customer. Yeah, uh, yeah. And this can this can almost this can in some ways the credit card experience in India can be significantly better than any other country, right? In yeah. that way, because like yeah. UPI is almost ubiquitous; it's there everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And because of that, and and layering on top of all this public infrastructure can make this an even better experience for exactly. users. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And what are the biggest challenges? Like, where do you see the biggest kind of stumbling areas where you think uh, will prevent you from actually making this magical experience? Are they internal? Are they something that's more regulatory driven? Like, what what prevents it, or is it just a matter of time? So there are two kinds of challenges. <clears throat> The first kind of challenge is that you're working with multiple parties, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, with banks to get access to APIs, the regulator allows access to certain things only via regulated institutions. Those regulated institutions are also of many kinds, right? There are networks, there are yeah. banks, there are multiple set of players. All these integrations take time because security is paramount. You have to do it the right way. A lot of guards standing in between to make sure that you know things don't go wrong, at least from a security and data perspective. So those yeah. integrations are non-trivial and take too long, right? So that that takes more time than what you want to do or, or what you want to take. Uh, you want to run faster. So that's the first thing, but it's happening, right? I see things moving at much faster pace today than it was three years ago. Like significant difference of almost like. 5x difference and i feel that and what's years, what's what's resulted in that difference is it all these there are lots of new startups that are coming out and integrating yeah. with banks providing apis is it that or is it the banks themselves moving forward i think both right the banks have become more versatile and have built that apis they've set up the tech teams and build those apis and there are these startups who have 
work with the banks and integrated with them so that those yeah. APIs can be distributed more freely. A, a great traditional example is payment gateways, right? When I had yeah. pay you, I, I would integrate with these banks APIs and then I would uh, you know, freely give out these APIs to the other side of the world, right? Yeah. Now, this is being done across variety of use cases, credit, non-credit, banking, etc. Right? So that's yeah. happening at a, at a fairly fast pace. So I see a 5x difference between three years ago and today, and I expect a 5x difference between today and three years from now. Fantastic. The second thing is responsible behavior with people who are particularly involved with credit. We know the entire Chinese issue that happened, right, where Chinese apps were giving out payday loans and then were using coercive tactics for collections. Yeah. Uh, you know, fly-by-night operators trying to make quick money. Irresponsible behavior. The industry is regulated. You are there are regulations to be followed, like KYC. You know, lending should be done with licenses only. Then. Uh, in lending, what happens is over leverage is a big problem, right? To the same customer, I'm the first guy to give a loan, I gave it right. But if the second guy, the third guy, and the fourth guy behaves irresponsibly, then each guy is increasing the risk of the customer and default for the entire ecosystem, right? Yeah. So irresponsible behavior is the actually the 80% of the problem. If some people in their view of growing faster give credit irresponsibly or increase customer leverage or don't play by the regulatory rules, right? They hurt the entire ecosystem, hurt the entire sector. So behaving responsibly by all participants is very, very important. That I would say is the 80% of the risk, responsible behavior. And 20% of the risk is uh, this other thing. Awesome. That's, that's super, super helpful. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you were to say this is on my wish list of things that that change the next three years, like you said, it's 5x better already in the last three years and you expected to get 5x even better in the next three years in terms of like fintech APIs. I'm sure like bureau, uh, like people getting onto bureau also helps a lot in terms of responsible behavior from the personal side of things. What else do you wish for that, that you think that will accelerate this even more and take India to the next level in terms of uh, credit-led infrastructure for cards as well as other credit products? I think I think data participation will help a lot. So <clears throat> Bureau, if you look today, right, bureaus basically became mainstream after the 2008 crisis. And yeah. today, about 190 million Indians have Bureau data. And Bureau, if you are thick on Bureau, if you have a lot of data on Bureau, right, Bureau-led underwriting or Bureau data-led underwriting works very, very well in predicting. Yes. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of areas where a customer has a lot of other orthogonal data. Mm. Uh, banks have your data. An account aggregator is a great initiative to be able to easily access your banking data and therefore underwrite your data. But then there are these third parties too, right? Ola had certain data. Zomato has certain data. Amazon has certain data. Each of these data are not enough to underwrite independently but is good enough to improve underwriting a bit more. And you see this thing happening where more and more players are now making customer data accessible basis consent. So for Got example, it. I'm a large B2C brand. I made yeah. a score to predict income or predict credibility of a user. Then if a user gives consent, then this B2C platform is willing to share the data for a fee. So they start behaving like a quasi-bureau, leveraging their own data. 
as more and more participants did this or do this right it helps the overall ecosystem uh, of course this is post customer consent so all privacy concerns are taken care of but this can be powerful in acceleration because it helps in determining a good customer from a bad customer better that makes sense so like basically there's a lot of walled gardens today right like there's the the google ecosystem and the flipkart ecosystem and the amazon ecosystem etc if there's more data that's shared between all of these through some sort of third party mechanism and made accessible that will significantly increase so the amount of data the available. first thing that has happened is that all these ecosystems have actually built scores for the consumer that has happened right everybody has been thinking about it yeah and the second thing which has to be done is that basis customer consent these platforms start behaving as quasi bureaus so bureau exactly. is a nice business right it it yeah. works as a business you they get paid for yeah. holding their data and supplying their data now similarly these these different platforms have lot of data they have processed yeah. it they have made scores out of it so it's not raw data anymore but for a feed and user basis user consent they can provide the data thus helping expand the ecosystem now yeah. some of these players will have their own ambitions to build you know credit so credit, uh, yeah. credit businesses or financial service businesses but not everybody right yeah. and there are many such platforms <laughs> many 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 such platforms so the platforms who have their own such intention sure right but the yeah. others they should build this and accelerate this that makes that makes a lot of sense and, and i think olx and quicker right olx yeah. and quicker has information i yeah. don't know if they ever intend to make a credit business and they can use that data to benefit a, a lending company in some ways. yeah absolutely i i mean i think about even like for uh, d2c brands right they okay. know which yeah. customers are uh, cancel orders which customers yeah, are exactly. returning goods exactly. so all of this data can help triangulate yeah. like better and better customers yeah. or think nokri and shine and monster like so much data i don't know if they ever want to build credit businesses so <laughs> that opportunity exists yeah 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 you just have to think creatively but yeah. the, and then you can use this data yeah so so the other the other thing that comes up a lot from some of our fintech founders right is is how do you manage regulators in this space right I, I, in in fintech in general definitely in any credit led business managing regulators is paramount right you want yeah. to be on the right side of regulations for the for good reasons right not not uh, you can't just you can't just break things right like yeah. <laughs> so so uh, you've obviously done this in in various avatars in payu in ola uh, now in uni how do you think about this like what are the what what's a good way to think about what's the right framework to think about managing regulators yeah. how do you kind of like do this on a day to day basis yeah. so from a regulators point of view right i follow some frameworks right so first of all park 10 to 15% of your engineering and product bandwidth for regulatory issues just park it yeah because then you will these are continuous problems to be solved they're continuous needs so park 10 15% of your bandwidth once you commit to that bandwidth right things will become far easier yeah second thing is there certain things about regulators which they are very clear about first from a if you have a license right then what that license allows you to do and if you don't have a license then what you are allowed to do those yeah. things are very crisply clearly defined how do you make sure that from a licensing perspective those are extremely well solved for is the first part so if you don't have the license then aim towards getting that license uh, but license is a very very important solve and and operating within the constraints of that license makes sense the second solve is around kyc most of us try to find the most efficient form of kyc <coughs> i realize that with kyc you should have all solves 
because which form of kyc may work tomorrow may not work tomorrow is unknown having yeah. ample backups is very important so embrace all forms of kyc keep working on improving on them so a flexible onboarding journey is extremely critical when designing your core product where you should be able to change your onboarding journey on drop of a pen the last thing i would say is that take external opinions often now when you're working with partners their compliance will give you a view and have constructed opinions around it you can hire the big four you can hire leading lawyers you can work with ex rbi officials see rbi will never tell you and give you a direct opinion but this world will these consultants will work with them closely get their opinions and it helps you be better so this is my framework right a commit bandwidth the yeah. what does a license allow you to do not allow you to do you know make sure that you are operating on the right side of the line there embrace kyc fully right har tarah ka kyc karna hai jaise marzi karna hai lastly yeah. get opinions from the external world if you don't have your own licenses yeah then always work with two financial partners always got it uh, that's the least you can do if needed work with more than two but if you don't have a license because we have seen enough situations where nobody is too big not mastercard not american express not hdfc bank that means working with one financial institution can be a business continuity issue if the partner does something wrong makes a lot of sense Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Super helpful. So we're coming up on the end of time, uh, Nitin. Any any advice for our you know aspiring entrepreneurs, fintech entrepreneurs who are listening into this? What are some of the exciting areas that you may not be working on at uni, but you hope that you know others others pick up and and work on? Whether it's in the credit space or outside of that in fintech in general. I think credit. Uh, I think financial services space where you pick up a stone and throw, you hit an insight. <laughs> so it's very exciting time to be yeah. in this. I will just ask for two things. Yeah. First, if you are making an observation that anybody else can also make this observation after one week of effort or one week of doing secondary research, then that insight is not good enough. Yeah. There will be at least a dozen teams on that insight already. Find a level two insight, which means in that domain you find an insight which others have been missing out. Right. Yeah. So, so very very important and. Uh, level one. What was that for you? What was that for you when you started uni? This fact that most people once or twice in a year go through cash flow issues. Got it. Very specific yeah. insight with a deep enough, like you know, uh, uh, specific insight, but with a deep enough market. Yeah, yeah. And my second recommendation would be that if a traditional player is not doing it, it's most likely because of a regulatory constraint. Understand regulations better, and yeah. understand. speak to all those players why are they not doing it if yeah. they say economics is the reason then you can solve for it if yeah. they say regulatory is the reason then go deeper and understand what is that regulatory issue so those will be my two recommendations awesome awesome nitin this has been absolute pleasure as always and lot of interesting insights here so look forward to uh, you know seeing you again on our show in some other capacity and look forward to seeing the the continued success of uni where we are very excited about it as axel <laughs> and look forward to continuing to back you there likewise man likewise thank you so much wow that was a terrific conversation about what is now a ubiquitous product and what might be its radical future 
I enjoyed it very much and I know Rachit and Nitin did too. Thanks to both of them. All the best Nitin for what he, you are trying to build with Uni and we hope your story and vision gives entrepreneurs something to think about and be inspired by. Please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. Our website is c2scale.com/insights where you can find other such insightful episodes from our series. That's all from us today. Stay safe. Thanks again for listening. Goodbye. Thank you.